the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, actually, we're going to do something a little bit different. Usually, we talk about the passage of the Gospel that was read today. But today, actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about the reading that we read this morning from the Synexarium, the Lives of the Saints. Today was a celebration of the 150 bishops that were gathered in the city of Constantinople. As some of you might know, the three ecumenical councils that the Orthodox Church recognizes are the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Constantinople, and the Council of Ephesus. So this Council of Constantinople was the second ecumenical council that our mother, the Church, confesses. The Council of Nicaea was completed in 325, and it dealt with this heresy from this person named Arius, and it was primarily concerning the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ, or Arius claimed that our Lord Jesus Christ was not equal and was not of one essence with the Father. After this council, after this council of Nicaea, there was lots of theological debates that continued, and they began to focus around the person of the Holy Spirit instead of uh, just God the Son. And this is the main heresy, or one of the main heresies of the Council of Constantinople. In addition, if you saw in the, or remember from the Synexar, there was a, a heresy called uh, Sibelianism, or also known as modalism. And this is the idea that sort of the Trinity is not three distinct persons, but is just just a different, it's one person, but just three different dis, uh, distinctions of the same person. And so this was uh, also rejected in the Council of Constantinople. But the main one that I wanted to talk about is the, the heresy of Macedonius who denied the divinity of the Holy Spirit. He denied the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Actually, in this council, the Council of Constantinople, as we read in the Synexar, we completed the rest of the creed. The creed used to end right before we say, yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. This part was added in the Council of Constantinople because they wanted to affirm, our mother of the church wanted to affirm that the Holy Spirit is of the same dignity and of the same essence as God the Father and God the Son. And just so that you're aware, many church fathers actually spoken authoritatively on the subject. St. Athanasius, before the Council of Constantinople, talks about the divinity of the Holy Spirit in his letters. There's these letters that he has called the letters to Serapion. And he, write, he talks about how the Holy Spirit is God. St. Basil also did works on the, wrote works on the Holy Spirit, among lots of other church fathers. So our mother of the church felt compelled to convene an entire council to rid the church of this heresy and to clarify for its flock that the Holy Spirit is in fact a person of the Holy Trinity on equal footing with the Father and the Son and is not simply sort of a force or an energy of God. So this must mean that this has some implications for our spiritual life and for our eternity. And it does because the Holy Spirit, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is essential. We talk about the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we call Him the Spirit of Truth. What does it mean when we call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth? First thing, he teaches me about God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians, St. Paul says, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And in 1 Corinthians, St. Paul says, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, being the Spirit of truth, He teaches me about God the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. He teaches me also about myself. 
One of the main functions of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate our vision of ourselves so I can discover my weaknesses, my sins. When I feel that I have sinned against God and I'm in need of forgiveness, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord Jesus Christ, has some of His last words to His disciples, He said, If I depart, I will send the Helper. And when He comes, He will convict the world of sin. So our Lord Jesus Christ, He sent the Holy Spirit in the church, not to cover our sins, but to open our eyes, to convict our hearts with tears of repentance, after which our sins can be forgiven. So I should take advantage of God's gracious and endless love, which He extended to all of us as sinners. I need to pray to the Holy Spirit, asking Him to convict me, to uncover all of my faults, and to give me tears of repentance. We also refer to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. The Holy Spirit comforted the disciples on the day of Pentecost. You remember after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, when they were in the upper room, the disciples were in the upper room for days, not knowing what to do, praying, and they were afraid. As soon as the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in them, what happened? He gave them strength. He gave them courage. He gave them direction as what to do next. So actually now we've talked about two <coughs> distinct and maybe a little bit opposite roles of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who convicts us of sin, which is often painful. And it's sort of like a chastening. But at the same time, He's the comforter. So then the pain that He's inflicting is in order to push us towards repentance. But at the same time, He's also soothing and encouraging us as we begin to turn back to God. As Orthodox Christians, we don't see the Holy Spirit as this force that is just there existing to make you feel good. He's not some sort of cosmic nurse that just exists to make sure you have good feelings. But instead, He's chastening us, restoring us, and both of those actions, the chastening and the restoration, are proofs of His love. He's like a sculptor that wants to form us into what we're intended to be. So then we have a choice. Do I cooperate or do I resist this purification? It reminds us of the times that our Lord Jesus Christ asked the people that He would encounter, the people who were sick, the people who had problems, and He said to them, do you want to be healed? This always seems to us like an odd question. But many of us refuse the comfort of the Holy Spirit at times. Many of us sitting here may understand that we are spiritually unwell and in need of healing. But our approach to being healed sometimes takes a look, looks a lot like our approach to medical care. You know, prior to being a priest, I was a dentist. There was always people that were coming into the dental office and what they wanted is to be removed, get out of pain. They wanted to be out of pain. So they would ask for medication. They would ask for like, for you to do anything to get them out of pain. But what they didn't really care about is a final treatment to make sure they never got in pain. They refused to deal with the source of their pain. What they really needed, for example, was to get their tooth taken out. But they came seeking relief, something temporary, instead of seeking healing. 
If, for example, I am resentful towards somebody, the short-term relief towards resentment is to justify myself. To say that this person isn't worth the feelings that I'm harboring against them. And this provides me relief. It makes me feel better when I'm resentful against somebody. But this relief is temporary. There will be another person or another situation which I feel slighted and yet again I will feel resentment. Lasting healing comes from dealing with the underlying issue. My pride which causes me to be resentful. The transformation that the Holy Spirit is offering us is not occasional, is not temporary, is not cosmetic. It's permanent and thorough. A deep medicine, not intended just to provide sort of relief, but to provide complete restoration of a person. Many of us know the famous verse in Galatians where St. Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But the Christian life does not consist of reaching for the fruit, but actually of acquiring the Spirit. Reaching for the fruit is to sort of try to grasp the good things without having the treasury itself. It's like trying to live like God apart from God. So the goal of the Christian life is not to force our behavior to fit into categories, love, joy, peace. If that were the goal, our belief system would not matter. This is why we're the, our mother, the church, puts the commemoration of the council saying, no, our beliefs matters. And any faith that could help us attain these things wouldn't be important. But there is something deeper that the Holy Spirit, as the treasury of good things, is wanting to do with us. As Christians, we may go to church, we may sing the hymns, we may give alms or we may give our tithes, we may have plenty of evidence for our faith, but at the same time we might still fly into a rage when I'm provoked or seethe with jealousy when I'm slighted or burn with lust when I'm aroused or swell with pride when I'm praised. The Christian life is about becoming a new creation in Christ daily renewal of the inward man. If we are separated from the source, the treasury of good things, even the fruits will lose their proper expression and become vulnerable to our own incorrect thinking. There is no way, this is what St. Didymus the Blind says, there is no way a person can attain any of God's gracious gifts unless he attains the Holy Spirit who has all God's gifts. And finally, I'll leave you with a quote from St. Anthony the Great. He says, The Holy Spirit makes all God's works sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, whether they come in the form of fatigue, fasting, vigil, solitude, or charitable deeds. With the Spirit, we were sanctified in the Lord. What is St. Anthony saying? St. Anthony was this type of person who, he went to the desert, he afflicted his body severely. He was by himself in a cave, 20 years alone without seeing anyone. And he says, God, the Holy Spirit makes everything I do, all of God's work, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. And he says, even if it's fatigue, even if it's fasting, even if it's vigil, even if it's solitude, he makes it sweet. So our, our, our fathers in the church are teaching us 
I need to acquire the Holy Spirit. I need to ask Him to make those things sweet for me. If I find myself bored in church, or find myself, it's hard for me to pray. If I find myself, I can't read the Bible, I, I don't really learn anything, I don't gain anything from reading the Bible. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to enlighten my mind. Ask Him to make God's work sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. All glory to the Holy Trinity, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and to the age of all ages. Amen. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are you.